And welcome to another episode of Don't Get This Twisted. I am the professor, along with my co-host, as always, Tina. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, professor? Oh, I'm uh, getting by on a lovely day here in uh, Southern California. I thought today we'd uh, hit some subjects that are going through all of America, pretty much in every state on every level. It's kind of the the rise of mental health, like the bad part that's going on. I think that mental health issues are definitely on the rise. You look at shootings and drugs and suicides, etc. I thought maybe we'd have a little sit down and kind of talk and from either experience of people that we know that had issues or just what we've heard. Um, we can start with basically what I was thinking is, you know, why do we think it's on the rise? Why, why do you think we're having so many issues here these days? I think there's a lot of reasons. I think that everybody wants a quick fix. So uh, doctors are writing out prescriptions that too frequently and too freely. I think that there's a breakdown in the home and also in community, especially with uh, COVID going on, like especially, but it was even before, um, you know, the breakdown of family and not having support and, and being isolated. I think those are huge reasons for it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've kind of tried to think out what it was and uh, I was thinking lots of things as well, but you brought up family and I think you're right. I think the, the lack of parents, either one or the other, for one, because because of divorce. I mean, we, we know we have divorce issues in this country and um, the lack of a father. I'm lucky. I was lucky enough to have my kid and I've had him since I got a divorce. So he wasn't with it without a father. And he also wasn't without a mother. I made sure that he stayed always going to that. Um, but I think there's an issue that you're right. It's a correlation between mental health and the family not being there. Absolutely. I mean, I know since even losing like the family heads, grandparents and, and then my mom, that there's even a breakdown still of family. We still have our family unit. Everybody gets together. It's just not the same. The closeness, the the glue, like they say, it's not there anymore. And it's and it's hard being the next generation trying to keep it together like she did, because I'm I'm not her. Like, you know, definitely not my mom. We do things totally different. And. I, you know, with my niece and nephew trying to keep traditions, we really don't keep traditions. I just do whatever I want to with them. We have a good time and, and that's it. We may not do it again, or we may there's, yeah, I, I think traditions and stuff went when my mom did. Yeah. And I, and I think with um, social media and, and such the lack of um, being in any kind of family thing where like I used to go to barbecues all the time or do this or do that. And again, the COVID thing is one thing, but I think that self-isolation, I think teenagers and younger people self-isolate and I don't understand why, but it seems that way. I think that everybody's just used to communicating through their, their phone or their tablet and they 
forget that the person is even sitting right in front of them because you see everybody in the family is on their phone at dinner. Nobody's interacting, but everybody's talking to someone. Just who are they talking to? Not each other. Yeah. And you're right. You see it in droves where um, I'll go out to dinner and there'll be five or six teenagers in a corner all on their phone, barely chatting. Yeah. It's like this boys weird. sitting next to girls and not doing anything. It's, it's kind of weird. <laughs> it's not well, the way we were raised. Exactly. I mean, I, I remember, I mean, obviously we, we were raised without a lot of technology. There, there was no personal computer. There wasn't any of this stuff. So I get that. And I, and I'm all up for technology, but not when it ruins people. And I think that we're, we're starting to ruin people. And, and again, adults, our age are just as bad. I think that we take, we've taken that technology and, and ran with it just as much, um, which is for another show, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get into. But um, I, I think you're right. I think that is why it's on the rise. The, the lack of family, um, social media and other things that are just outside the regular that we grew up in. So it's just just mm-hmm. living in this world right now. It's heavy. Mm-hmm. It's it's not, you know, it's not when when I was younger and growing up, I didn't worry about all these things that were going on all over the world. And, and it's it's amazing to see how many things could be wrong now that everybody knows about. And yet we're I don't know, maybe it's the news media trying to uh, make all of us scared and stuff, but we just grew up in a day and age where we didn't have all this information to just totally bog us down. Mm-hmm. It's drowning. It is. Yeah. It's like you, 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 as soon as you think your head's above water, it's not. And coming back to where we were kind of talking um, off air, like, why do you think it's affecting younger people more than adults? I mean, obviously adults, I think it's more stress oriented with work and, getting the rent on time and keeping this um, I hate to say keeping up with the Joneses on the block, but that's a true thing as well. Like, so an adult, I I kind of understand where you just feel totally weighed down. Like you go to work with chains on, you come home with chains on, you got to cook dinner. You got to do this. You got to do that. But But I think, I think the answer is what's weighing you down is that thing you keep in your pocket that you're holding on to against your head all day. You know, it's, it's exhausting. Remember the, the day when the phone had to ring and you had to go and pick it up and there was a cord attached and you had to sit there and everybody heard your conversation. It kept you from saying a lot of stupid shit. Now, if you had put a, a cell phone in my hand back in the day it, with the camera and all this stuff that it's got on it, I would have been in so much trouble. Not only would I have been in trouble, but I would have done some stupid things. I'd still be trying to live down. Right. I, I agree. And I think that that um, also turns into a stressful situation for a young person. You send the wrong picture, you send the wrong text, people copy it and send it to everyone else. By the time you get back to school, let's say, you know, over the weekend, your whole life could change. Absolutely. And it does. I hear this a lot where kids do something stupid and everybody in the school knows there's bulletins sent home with the kids. (laughs) There's, there's phone calls that go to the home. 
I couldn't imagine how I wouldn't want to do anything because everything would be so magnetized. Like it wouldn't have been when we were younger. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that it's everything is blown up tenfold now, no matter what it is. You change your hair color, you do this, you do that, you don't wear the right shoes, whatever. It's probably blown up way more. Um, mine just got out of high school. Um, he was lucky. He's kind of his own monster. So he doesn't, he didn't fall into that caring uh, as much. Um, he really never had any problems per se. He did get in one fight, but it was not his fault. Um, but I think I can see why it's just so easy. And I hate to say bully, but to bully people or press them to the point where they're, they're depressed and from depression comes mental health. It's a, that's one of the things. But when we were younger and we were getting pressed, it was to make us do something. Not, I mean, we've gotten to the point where it's okay to be a victim all the time. So instead of trying to rise to the occasion and, and, you know, do what you need to do for the, whatever they're, you're getting razzed for, like it's gone the other direction where it's, everything's, you know, backwards. Yeah. And I also think there was a lot more fist fights when we were in school. <laughs> like, but it kind of killed things, you know, yeah, it made right. things you, stop. <laughs> you just threw down. You just, it was that it, it, you did it. But now again, you can't even do that in school. You, you get, have a fight in high school and everything changes. You, everyone gets sent home. Everyone gets suspended. It's a whole ordeal because <laughs> of other issues. But I, I don't know. I think that it's a, it's sad to see that the the youth of this country is going to therapy on a much higher level. You know, we we didn't go to therapy, and if it we did, it was a big, big, big deal. And, and <laughs> I'm and true. I'm a and I'm a proponent of therapy. Like, I, I think therapy is a good thing. You you should talk to people um, that can psychoanalyze you outside of your family bubble. Because sometimes the people inside the bubble don't know the answers as well. So better for them to at least see things differently. Okay. But that doesn't mean that we send everyone to therapy. Like some, we do have to have some kind of hard shell because if we don't, you're not going to make it in this world because on the outside of school, no one gives a shit. (laughs) Right. When you, when you start a job, and you work for somebody, eh, they really don't care. Right. You know, That's true. Or, or if they do, it's, it's frowned upon when you, you know, have a, a, a mental health, health issue. Right. I don't know. So um, go, going on the backside of that, what we were just talking about, why do you think um, the rise in doctors prescribing medication to much younger people. And and I'm not talking high school age. There's people in junior high that are being put on antidepressants on a much larger level. I don't know. I think isolation is a good reason to be depressed. No, no, I agree. But what, I mean, do you think that, I don't think that the drug is always the answer though. No, you can't you're setting these people up to 
to be addicts or always try to solve something with a pill. And I, and, and I will also say that the medical industry doesn't help this. You know what I mean? Like they push pills regardless of what it's for. Well, that's a money issue. It is, but it's also, you know, it's okay. Uh, for the, the for the patient, for the patient, it's, it's to just numb out or to calm down or to uh, subdue certain behaviors. And it, it really isn't to deal with the problem at all that doctors prescribe it because everybody wants a quick fix. Then really, if you could take a pill and not go to therapy, would you just take the pill or would you go to therapy? <laughs> I, I think mean, a lot of people, yes. I don't have time. I don't have time. So give me the pill. I'm going to take whatever I got to, and then I'll deal with the rest. I think I that think, we set ourselves up with that. I, yes, but it, I think that as the person taking the pill, you you're right you feel a certain way and maybe on the surface that is a great thing um but you're still holding in the issues absolutely you're just just masking the problem which is why therapy can work for people um generally we have our own therapy right i mean at least in my case um it's like a four-hour breakfast with your best friend (laughs) <laughs> you know, right. you, you, you end up going to chat about one thing that, you know, and again, it is a big deal, but you don't realize that, you know, you both end up spilling your guts all over the place. So what you think is like, Hey, we're going to go for an hour breakfast. I'm going to find out about this, this, and this. The next thing you know, you're there for four hours and you're planning a podcast. <laughs> are you talking about us (laughs) yeah so so i I find that kind of thing funny that i think our generation self therapies in a lot of things where you bounce it off your friends a bunch of different ways i think women do too women as a as a group will always get together do a lunch or have a girls night out i mean they they do um they make nights and, and have book clubs and stuff. But again, it's to not feel isolated. It's to be part of a community, to be part of something a little bit bigger. I think women are way better at it as well. Oh yeah. But men in general are, are meant or were raised to be strong, keep it in, you know, work around it. It's okay. And again, I think that that's a, 1940s you know that was passed on to the next generation that was passed on to us that hopefully we broke a little bit like i'm i'm up for saying um be strong like you don't have to um you know do this or do that but i i think as a man you should still be you should have emotions you shouldn't you know think that you're you're bulletproof and you can't do it so with some men, I think we talk to each other, but I think in general, that's a, a, that's a very much a woman thing. Well, even just going out and having a beer and watching the game with your buddies should be some form of therapy. Like you're getting away, you're, you're shooting the shit, you're, 
you know, you're doing something outside of taking care of your family. That's even, that's a good thing to be doing too. And it does help when you hang out with your guys and you laugh and you joke around, you don't feel as bad as you did if you didn't go and you were just sitting there again in isolation. Yes. But I I think think women talk the problem out. That's true. Uh, Like, we we also mask the problem as well with the football game, this, this, and this. I think women are much more apt to go out and in in a smaller group and um, tell each other the problem, you know, like the real problem. Unlike men who, you're right, we'll go out, we'll have our, our wings and a beer and watch the football game and and skirt around what's going on at home. It's it's the I'm okay with in parentheses, you know whatever you think okay is. Women I think are much better communicators when it comes to that. They are, but they will also hold back things that they don't want anybody else to know too. It's you know it depends on on the group that you're with because not until I the last ten years was I in a group that I felt like I could say anything. So I think that. It, it is, it's, it's very good to have those groups and all, but again, therapy, therapy is not a bad idea because like you said, it's something, somebody from the outside is somebody that you could share any secret. The ones that you can't tell your friends, therapy is good for getting that out. Correct. I, I definitely agree. I think that um, it, it, it's a big thing. Uh, um, I've never done it. Um, I probably should at some point. Just to kind of lay other, I've never been. You've never done okay. Mm, Okay. Never done therapy. Um, I probably should have years ago, Um, but I think it's good again just to get things out to somebody who either is is a very uh, outside the situation, because at least they can go okay. And again, it's a schooling thing. They they they're going to hit bullet points and they take things in and try to psychoanalyze you. But it's, I think, better to, to do it with somebody who knows nothing about you. I agree with that. Um, <clears throat> so going off of kind of what we were just talking about, like, I think we all suffer from some kind of mental health, something, whether it, it can be a shoestring or it can be these massive rocks um, would you agree more that with people that you talk to that they all have a similar issue or, or it, it's kind of, I hate to say that we're all, we all have a mental health problem, but I think we do. Um, because you know, that again, that's what a drinking dates for. <laughs> that's why all the right. girls get together and have wine so they can feel like a community and, and still be able to say small things about your, about what's going on in your life. Right. I mean, and I think that we're more apt to do it now more than ever um, just because we want people to listen because we haven't been in that situation of seeing people in such a long time. It's like this massive dump of how you feel right now. No, I agree. Well, just catching up, like, I had a party this last weekend and I hadn't seen some people in almost two years. And these are people I normally see 
I don't know, once every month, every couple of months, at least, you know, there's some sort of interaction going on, but the last year and a half, almost two years, there's been no connection. So just, I think catching up is part of the dumping too, because there's just so, there's been so much. Yeah. There's, there's people I literally haven't seen in two years. Yeah. I mean, I had clients that I saw every week that I haven't seen in a couple of years, almost two years now. That's insane. I saw them every week for 20 something years. That is kind of crazy. Like that you haven't seen them at all, like because of that, you know, the industry you're in, Mm -hmm. that that's something that a lot of people don't um, skip on. Right. It's just, you don't, I mean, but they hadn't um, left the house in a year and a half either. Yeah. Which is a whole other thing on mental health. I think that this has been a, um, a massive um, problem. I mean, you know, we, we talked about it in the quarantine show that what it's done to people and where this is going and mental health is just another backdrop on why people are, having problems with drugs or, or uh, alcoholism and suicide, which is a, you know, a major problem. Right. I mean, I I unfortunately have a friend who many years ago died um, of a drug overdose and he had major mental health issues that no one knew about. No one. Nobody even talked about mental illness as as a problem or even anything. I mean, Reagan was the one that shut down all of the mental health benefits. That's that's when we were younger. I mean, we were really yes. around when when Reagan was in office. Yeah. And and it, like it wasn't it wasn't a, a problem. It wasn't an issue. There was no need for that. And there's been nothing but a need since. I mean, if you look at the homeless population now and, and growing, um, the suicide rates are, are high. We're talking about a drug overdoses, everything, everything that creates like this, this little whirlwind for depression and anxiety. We've created this little world just, just for it. Correct. And, and with the homeless problem, um, obviously, um, a, a massive health issue, mental health issue in that community, uh, probably for um, in a lot of cases in the beginning, just being alone, you know, being alone, being stressed over having to get money or food or whatever um, has to just, you know, be so stressful. And then again, the, the being alone thing, anytime you're, you're, you're putting us put in a situation of being, in solitary or not with people, the only person to talk to is you. That's true. And then, and then a lot of these people come from uh, bad situations, um, family problems, um, ex-military. There's a lot of military people out there that when they came back from whatever um, fight they were in, uh, have just been dropped on the street. And, and that's a huge problem. And it's sad. It's sad that we're doing this to, to people. And, and look, I, I want to help the, the homeless. It's, it's important. We want to get these people back into society. But how do we do that with knowing they have something that 
is a problem? I'm, I really don't know. I think about that, but I, I know that the best thing would not be to keep them on the streets. There's got to be a place where they could go so that they could start to heal. But what do you do when people don't want to go and don't want to be healed? I think that's the bigger issue. The bigger issue is you're right. No one wants a lot of those people don't want help because they've been on the street so long trying to function in regular society. They don't understand it. But is that true? Do all of them really want to be on the streets? I don't know. I, I don't think all of them. Yeah. But there's definitely people that, uh, you know, they've tried to help who can't function in an everyday life of um, work and this and that. After you've been on the street for so long, they, they, they can't do it. And it's, I mean, I, I don't know how to help them. It's unfortunate. I mean, I drove um, through the valley um, not too long ago, and it, it's bad. It's like there's homeless tent communities on streets in front of movie theaters. It's very cra- crazy. Yeah, and and not only that, but there's so there's so much trash on on every street in the valley right now because the homeless are just pitching tents and and leaving their waste everywhere and it's it's become quite a problem right yeah i mean and and, and this became a problem in a lot of places um downtown la is it's been like that for years and years and years um what do you think and i know this is kind of an off the wall and like a question that hard for you to answer because there's really no answer for it but how do we fix this issue? How do we fix the mental health issue within either communities, whether you're homeless or at home and you're having issues? It's hard for, for us as people, I think, to say you're broken. I think, I think if people just had better access to mental health professionals and it wasn't uh, something where you needed to have insurance and it wasn't something where you uh, you had to pay what they have to pay in order to have a, a doctor visit like that. I think that would be a good first step. And we talk about the homeless and people that are on the streets. If, if that's a problem, we should be helping them first and get them off the streets and to get them the help that they need. And, and they're not going to have the money for that. So I, I'm not a fan of saying that everybody needs, you know, health care, but there's got to be a way to pay for this and to help these people out so that we don't have them living in filth on the streets. Yeah, I think some kind of um, subsidized mental health um, place should be uh, made. I think you're right. I think someone uh, like a free clinic almost on mental health. I mean, it's it wouldn't be hard to get people to come in and talk. And I'm talking on all levels, homeless or at home. Like if you're having a problem and you feel like you want your life to end, you shouldn't have to worry about paying somebody to tell them to try to help you off the ledge. That's a huge problem where you can't go to everyone. Not everyone's going to get online and, and type a message on Facebook about how depressed you are and you don't want to live. 
Right. You know, it, it, that happens, but most people are holding this in and at some point snap and do the unimaginable and take their own life. It, and if, if maybe they had that one place they could have went to fix it outside of their friends. Just, or even at that point, even at that point, just rely on your friends. I mean, you got to do what you need to do to get your needs met. And, and if your friends can't help shoulder some of the weight, then you need to keep looking for better friends. Like it's, you need to set up your own tribe so that you're supported whatever way you need to be. Yeah. Um, again, I think we come from a different, uh, a different generation where I think our friends were much more likely to want to help. Right. Um, I think today it's just, it's your problem, not mine. And, and until it's far too late, you know, um, knowing my son's school, um, they, they had suicides, um, again, out of nowhere and, and no note, no, didn't leave anything, didn't nothing. And then I would be like, you know, what do you think happened? And he would be like, yeah, no one knows. Just, you know, you snap. And again, there's always going to be those. There's going to be the ones who just fall off. But the, how about the ones who we found out are begging for help and and no one helps them? And I think that's where you're correct. Like some kind of free mental health care. Subsidize it. It doesn't have to be crazy. You could set up a trailer in a parking you know, lot near those people. And- And I'm not even saying free, but make it low cost enough where somebody, because I think part of the problem is that when you give something to someone that's free, they don't have value in it. So if we make it affordable, but not free so that they have to work just a little bit, I don't care if it's 10 bucks a visit, but work a little bit so that you can make your own self healthy. I think that that would help. Yeah. Okay. I'm down for that. I'm, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go in on you on that. Uh, you're right. There has to be some kind of end game to where at the end you feel like you've done something for yourself. Well, if you're going to therapy, you go to get better. You're not, you know, so you do the steps. If there's steps to do it and, and people know what to expect, then maybe that, that would help too. Cause I know a lot of people going to therapy and they're freaking out cause they don't even know what to expect. My, my had one friend say, do you sit on a couch every time that you go to your, your counselor's house? I'm like, I don't lay down. I sit in a chair. We kind of hang out in the back room. It's not a big deal. But she had in her head that I had to sit down and she used the term shrink. I thought that was so funny. It's not even like that. Yeah, I think that that's very Hollywood. You know, <laughs> the the long fainting chair that you have to lay in and, and talk. And, I, and I'm sure people really still do do that. Um, but I think you're right. It's more of a, a chair across from each other and just saying your problems. Um, you know, there's, it, it's, I think you're right. It's way more than that than, than the Hollywood stigma. And, and I think that the stigma is the problem. The strict, the stigma of, Oh, you go to therapy? Yeah. You know, I I find 
lunch dates are really kind of cool for me because of being a hairdresser. I kind of block out a little bit of time and whatever friend wants to go with me is, is what we do. And, and it is all like a little, a little counseling session. And it's a listening to each other. And sometimes we don't agree. And sometimes things get a little heated, but for the most part, that's where everybody comes, dumps, whatever's going on, leaves it on the table. We pay the check and we leave. And, and I think maybe we need to start making more time for, for that sort of thing too. Cause there's, there's ways that we could all be helping, even if there isn't mental health situations set up for everybody. I agree. Yeah. I, I love, I love, I would rather go to lunch, breakfast, dinner with someone that I know I can dump a lot of stuff on them, whether it's heavy or not. And, and know that, they're going to at, at the end of it still give me a hug before they leave and still say everything's going to be okay and please if you have any problems keep calling yeah i think that's important i again with technology and everything going on the it's, it's very easy to stay isolated. And I think that the more we're isolated, the more we don't get involved with each other, the more we don't help. This is going to continue to be a problem that climbs. I think we need to get back to being a, a community, a, a friend, a family member. We need to start um like checking in instead of just leaving everything for a text message. Yeah. And, and I think something you said early, um, I think that the youth of today has no real um, involvement with the older generation. I think they find them to be irritating rather yeah. than, rather than someone that they can really learn from. And I think that is something that really needs to be looked at more push it without pushing hard. But I, th I think it's important that, that your children understand that their, their grandparents are something who they can really learn something from um, as well as their parents. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think that there's a lot, like you said, the, the family is an issue. It's also, I have, I have a, a niece that's 12 and, and a nephew that is 15 and they are not talkers. I have to bug them every single time I see them. Okay. Let's hear three things you're learning or doing or is going on in school. I don't care what three things they are. They could tell me about the tissue that they wadded up and threw on the ceiling. We had a good conversation about that, but nonetheless, I make them both tell me three different things they need to they need to check in with me. And, and I also encourage them to, whenever I'm home with them, uh, I, I tell them to come sit on the bed with me and hang out. And what are you TikToking? And what are you doing? Like, I'm, I am the aunt that will get involved and I, I'm sure I get under their skin, but now they're starting to come to me with their little jokes from in their little videos from TikTok and, and things that, they, they probably wouldn't show somebody else, but they share with me because they know that my sense of humor is at least like theirs and we could share things. But man, is that exhausting. It was harder to, it's harder to get them to tell me three things than it was to get you to talk to me. I'm not kidding. Yeah, it is, that was really difficult. It was insane. Nobody needs to hold out to that degree. But 
Yeah. So the kids are not easy, but, but I noticed that things are starting to change and they want to share things with me. And, and, you know, I tell the oldest, that the youngest is being mean and he puts his arms around me and gives me a hug. He's never done that before, but I think because I'm constantly trying to interact with them, I you kind of got to break through at some point. And I think I've done that. That's that. And I think that that's a good thing. And obviously they can come to you and say anything. It's a plus you're, you're going to help them at least be able to talk. And I think that's a big thing. Absolutely. And I always say, if I'm doing something wrong or there's something you don't like, just tell me, I will correct that. And we can move on because we don't need to not like each other. You know, let's stay close. Let's be close. I'm, I'm hoping that they're not a generation lost. And when they get older, they don't even pick up the phone when I call them. I really hope that we could still share these things and do these things because I'm putting in the time and the effort. But right. everybody, everybody should. We should all put the phones down a little bit and get engaged with each other. Totally agree. Um, so final thoughts. Let's go down our final thoughts. What's your final thought for mental health on today's show? I think that we definitely need to put more value into it and start helping where need be. We need to start doing something because we're not getting healthy as a society by keeping all this homelessness and and uh, and sickness. It's just sickness that people need help with. It just needs to be addressed. I I will uh, double down on that and say uh, communication. Communication is everything. Communication with your kids, communications with your mate, communications with your friends. Everything is about communication. And I think as long as we can continue to communicate, um, we'll learn more about each other and find out our pitfalls if we do have some kind of even small mental health issue. And on a side note, um, there's a show that I want everyone to watch on Netflix. It's called Afterlife. It has Ricky Gervais in it. It it has to do with mental health and how you can deal with it with therapy and with your friends. It's kind of a, it's a dark, dark, dark comedy, but it's, it's, I think a really good uh, point of how we see mental health all over the place. So check that out. Again, we're not uh, affiliated with Netflix, just so you know, so we're not telling you to watch it, but I'm saying, check it out. <laughs> well, that's the way to say that, huh? <laughs> hey, you know, you gotta, gotta, gotta make sure we don't get in trouble. Um, on that, we're going to say a uh, happy good night um, for my co-host, Tina. I am the professor. And as always, whether you like the show or you don't, Please don't get this twisted.